The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Women's Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericawomen.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff and management. Do you have aspirations to be a leader in your business or organization? Welcome to Leadership Stars with your host, Linda Patton. Each week, we feature true leaders, recognized in their fields, who provide insight and ideas in creating a strong team, and how you can become an effective leader. Now, here is Linda Patton. Welcome to Leadership Stars, and I'm your host, Linda Patton. It's so nice to have you here, and I have with me someone who is just an amazing individual. I've had such a interesting time chatting with her about what she does and her family and just all sorts of interesting details about her. And that's Kimberly Tobin. And what she tells me too is that she's a transform mentor. She's a business strategist. And I love the fact that she's an author and a speaker. And she works in an area of what I call part of your balanced life, which is spiritual. She works with those women to help them to acknowledge and embrace their unique gifts that fears often conceal. So today we're going to talk a little bit about how do you stay in balance and how do you definitely that one area that I find most people are in imbalance with, which is the spiritual side, and then what do fears have to do with all of that um, balance in your life now that we're you know, heading out of the summer months? So I'd like to welcome Kimberly. Kimberly, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you very much for having me. Well, you're so very, very welcome. And Kimberly, would you tell our audience um, sort of what your journey was to get to where you are today? Well, I climbed the corporate ladder. Um, I had a great big office, um, great big windows, great big title, great big salary, and um, worked a lot of hours and um, thought I was living my dream. And one day my body said, okay, I'm done. And I I couldn't even get out of bed. Um, I had um, gotten signs from my body before and said, okay, well, you're hurt here. You're not um, paying attention to me. So I'm going to give you migraines. And then, you know, I just took more, um, et cetera, or, you know, all those kinds of things and tried to mask it. And then the body said, okay, that's it. You're good. You're done. And pay attention to me. Um, and then I got sick. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And so, um, I got sick. I couldn't get out of bed. So I lost my job and, um, lost my title. And, and I know that sounds really weird, but that title told me who I was, what was expected of me, where to go, what to do and, um, and all that. And, and so we lost our home and, um, through all that though, it was such a blessing. And I know that sounds really weird, but mm-hmm. I had to find out who I was without a title. You know, I wasn't just a wife and I wasn't just a mom and, you know, and that's it. But, um, um, you know, rock bottom and I, and I um, figured out who I was and that's when um, spiritual walk really um, started and, mm-hmm. and through the fears, I knew that I didn't want to wake up every morning and every moment 
be so fearful I couldn't breathe. And I knew I didn't want to be sick. And so then I had to take control of that. That's kind of led me back to where I am now, much, much healthier, much happier, and, and um, not near as fearful. Kimberly, you were singing my song. Um, I also came out of a corporate life, um, but even before that, I came out of the military, where your title, basically mm. your rank, tells everyone what they're supposed to do with you. Whether they salute you, whether they stand up right. for you, all of that stuff. So when I left the military, I have to tell you, the first shock was walking into a room and not having anybody stand up. It was like, I'm sorry, but don't you recognize who I am and what I do? Because as a major, you know, for the most part, I outranked most of the people that I worked with. And not to have them stand up seemed really strange. And so that took a twist. And then, like you, I went through the corporate maze as well, um, had the big office with the big windows on the upper floors, which was really interesting in the 19, in one of the earthquakes that we had. Um, and, wow. you know, stepped away from that. And then, you know, like, who am I? You're right. Who am I? What, what do I do now? Um, where does my life go? And that fear, I think, can very much rule you. Plus, you try and do stuff based on what you knew in the past. So for me, it was from command. You know, I, I tried to mm-hmm. lead people with command because that's what I had learned. And as you know, leadership is not command. Leadership is influence. <laughs> so <laughs> whole shift in, in the mindset and everything else. So you now coach women on how to get over that fear or through that fear to um, being their most fabulous self. And so tell us a little bit more about the book you wrote and what that engenders as far as what you do with people, women especially. Well, I'm, I'm um, so fortunate to be able to have amazing women and um, they are just stuck in these titles, if you will, or what society says they need to be and what they need to do. And, and so fearful of judgment, judgment Mm. that they're doing something wrong, that they're not going to be, they're not going to be loved. And they don't even know themselves. One of the first steps that, you know, we go through is, um, you know, what's your favorite color? And I know that sounds really strange. And a lot of people go, are you, are you kidding me? What's my favorite color? But most of them can't tell you. Right. And or they think they're supposed to be one they're supposed to tell you. Mm-hmm. And then you go, OK, well, how does that color make you feel? And they're like, what? You know, but it's just starting with the basics of is that my favorite color? And if it is, why is it my favorite color? How, and then you get to then you bring in the feelings of it. So taught to shove our feelings down. Mm-hmm. Um, and we and we again lose ourselves because we're afraid we're going to cry or we're afraid you know we're going to get mad or the, all these emotions that we're stuffing down um, mm-hmm. is part of us. So it, we start with small steps like that. And go ahead. No, and I was going to say, you know, we as women are taught that you know we are emotional creatures, but if you show that, especially in the corporate world and definitely in the military. Um, that really causes all sorts of challenges with your command and with your ability to lead people. So how do you sort of balance that? And then we also have the the perfectionist gene that, you know, we have to be perfect before we can do anything, right? 
Right. So true. And and it's, you know, you got to realize, too, that you're working with several years of conditioning. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like you just wake up one day and say, okay, well, I, I think I'm going to um, be afraid of this or not afraid of that or, you know, do this or do that. This is years of people telling you things or you witnessing things and, you know, just your fear so built up. Sometimes we don't even realize what the what we're fearing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, okay, well, you know, why, why isn't it okay to cry? Mm, they don't really know. And yes, they, it could be that they're afraid they're going to seem weak. But if you're in a corner by yourself and you're crying, why is that bad? Exactly. And I think you know, one of there's, the most- there's several things that we can do. Mm-hmm. And Kimberly, I think one of the most powerful scenes, and I think it's one of the reasons Jane Fonda won an Academy Award, was from Clute, where she literally breaks down and cries. And it is one of the most intense emotional experiences I've ever seen. And, you know, it's like she was a tough uh, woman on the streets. And, you know, she couldn't show emotion because that would be weakness and people would take advantage of that. And just to have her sit there and just sob was so enlightening, so empowering, I think, for women. Yeah. So, so much so. And, you know, even after you after you have a good cry, and, mm-hmm. and I had to learn to cry. And that's silly. I had to learn to cry. But how much better you feel when you're done. Oh, yeah. Because you've moved all this stuck energy, you know, mm-hmm. and you're getting rid of it. It's cleaning out and it's it's very um, therapeutic. Yeah, I, I agree. I think crying is definitely a cleansing, which is why in some respects, I think we when we grieve, we cry. It's a cleansing. It's a moving away of negative energy and moving in positive energy and, and remembering the good things about the person who may be gone. Um, but let's mm-hmm. talk <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about balance. So would you say that mm-hmm. of all the areas of, of your life, like family and relationships, career and money, uh, personal development, health and exercise, leadership, spirituality, would you agree that spirituality is maybe the one that's most out of balance? Or do you have another one that you like? Yes. No, I'm going to say it's one of those things that I have found um, for myself and for my clients. Um, I was raised in a a very uh, strict religious family. Mm -hmm. So there was so much fear and restraint and and things like that, that I think this, my whole waking up, I guess you could say, was getting sick and everything, was like, I knew that there was something more, but I was so freaking scared to rock the boat or to ask questions or, you know, to do things that, oh, but my religion doesn't like that mm-hmm. and my family's not going to like that and, you know, and all that stuff. So to answer your question, I think in, in dealing with that, we just push it away. Yeah. We don't have the spiritual difference in the religion and the spiritual. It's just your connection. To me, it, spirituality is your personal walk in your religion, whatever mm-hmm. that may be. Your religion is the, is the rules and the regulations. Right. And, and I agree that it's not just the myriad of organized religions that we have, but there's the spirituality of, of just being in nature and just appreciating that and, yeah. and those kinds of things that also has a spiritual character to it as well. So Kimberly, 
One of the questions you asked me was, so what does being in balance mean to you? I, I know when I'm out of balance, meaning that I'm out of alignment and I'm not doing what I should be doing. Like if you, you, you ever had that thought when you're driving to the grocery store and, and you have that thought, oh, maybe I should turn right and go this way. And then you go, nah, I'm just going to keep going forward. <laughs> That's what being, you get those hints. You know that you should be tied for 15 minutes or you should be drinking more water and you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, that's out of balance. It's it's like um, you're bulldozing your way to the way you, your mind go. You're just going to be bullheaded and, and do it. To me, that's out, being out of balance. And I've learned to start to or to listen to those. Oh, let's turn right here, and then you go, and, and it's more in the flow of things. And I and I miss the traffic jams or I miss the mess just from being bullheaded. Um, and and doing that, being out of alignment, actually um, makes me sick. I, I literally, my body's like, okay, we're not doing this. I'm getting sick and you're going to have to do, you're going to have to take some downtime. Okay. So audience, what you're hearing her saying is that she actually checks in with her body to see if she's in or out of balance or alignment and, you know, checks in to say, is, is this something, you know, where is it? What is it? What can I do? Uh, what shouldn't I do? I, I love the fact, you know, should I turn right here? Should I turn left? Um, I usually ask questions about, should I go to this event? Should I not go to this event? Um, I have colleagues who mm-hmm. use it with um, essential oils. Is this an oil that's right for this person? And they get a real clear hit from their body as to whether that's the right oil for that person or the right treatment or whatever it might be. So the body has a lot of inner knowledge that we don't always tap into. Would you agree? Oh, agree. Which goes back to if you don't know your body or you don't know yourself, how are you going to get those hits? How are you going to know what's yes and what's no or the right oils that work for this or that kind of thing? You have to start from somewhere. Okay. Um, And so just give me one thing that you would do right now if you were out of balance. I would go set it outside on the deck for 10 minutes and would you do anything no so just sit just being outside okay being in nature being out there with the sun uh, listening to birds smelling in essence using all of your five Mm -hmm. senses to get yourself back in alignment yeah okay so audience all right sounds simple but it's ah, very powerful it is, and it's something that's not always easy to do, too. Um, I know you you were in that tall building that, you know, was like 52 stories before you could get to the ground and get outside, and where you got outside, what did you get out to? Traffic, cars, people. It wasn't the quiet um, backyard that you have. So, um, audience, one of the things to, to hear from what Kimberly just said is that if you can... Find a wonderful spot in nature that you can go out and breathe that fresh air, listen to the birds, feel the air across your skin, um, just really use all five senses to get in touch with that calm and peaceful outside. Now, Kimberly, one quick tip on what do you do when you're in the middle of downtown? Find a plant. Find a client? Find something that is natural 
plant. No, plant. Oh, plant. plant. Ah. Something okay. that's natural. Yes. Okay. So your task, audience, is to find, if you're in a downtown area and you don't have a, a park or whatever that's close by, find a plant outside that's healthy and that you can get in touch with. And on that note, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Voice America Women. We are leaders in the forward movement of women's success. Let leadership expert Linda Patton be your guide to uncovering the leader that lives within you and that you are meant to be. Through her signature training programs and workshops, Linda takes you every step of the way to help you tap into your personal leadership power, design a clear vision, build a loyal, effective team, and create a practical plan to make your dream come true. Get started now by scheduling a free, no-obligation, 30-minute strategy session with Linda Patton. Contact her at Linda at DareToDreamWithLinda.com. That's Linda at Dare, the number two, DreamWithLinda.com. Religion and faith are many different things to many different people. Once you have the basic foundations of religious faith, the rest is up to you. Listen for Everyday Spirituality with host and life coach Kimberly Tobin. We can look past the restraints of religion where it is thought that one belief is the gold standard and everything else is wrong. Spirituality can be found in everything, and we can peacefully exist with different paths to belief. Tune in every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Women. Linda Patton draws from her four decades of leadership experience and her heartfelt passion to show women how to lead, dream, and create what inspires them. Her signature training programs and workshops will guide you through the key skills you need to own your leadership power, build your resources, plan your path, and take the actions that will translate your vision into reality. Start by scheduling a free, no-obligation, 30-minute strategy session with Linda Patton. Contact her at Linda at daretodreamwithlinda.com. That's Linda at dare, the number two, dreamwithlinda.com. The Voice America Women's Channel. You are listening to Leadership Stars with Linda Patton. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. You may also send an email to Linda at daretodreamwithlinda.com. Now, back to Leadership Stars. Welcome back. At the break, I asked you to think about where you could go, wherever you are at work, whether you're in a busy downtown area or you're out in uh, a place of nature or wherever you might be that you can take just a moment, 10 minutes, I think Kimberly said, and just be in nature and really appreciate all that she gives us. And that's a great way to recenter and to rebalance yourself um, when things get really rough. Right, Kimberly? Absolutely. And I think one of the keys is that to, is to make it simple. 
Mm-hmm. We don't have to, you know, okay, well, I need to go do yoga for an hour or I need to go do this or, you know, do that. Just something, five, ten minutes, something is better than nothing. Yeah, I think that's so true. We We get so tied up in, you know, oh, they tell me I have to take yoga, I need to meditate, and we get so involved in what we have to do when there is a simpler um, answer to all that. And I love the fact that, you know, it's just get outside, um, Mm -hmm. appreciate whatever's there. If you can find nature, you know, be there and make it very, very simple. Because I know in our, you know, how busy our days are and how complicated they are, how great it would be to just have a simple remedy for when, you're feeling totally out of whack and, and need uh, a break, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. And, you know, even acknowledging that you're feeling out of balance does mm-hmm. wonders instead of just pushing through like we were talking about earlier. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah. you know, that, that does a lot. Well, I, um, one of the questions, too, is, you know, you talk a lot about fear, and your book is From Fear to Fabulous. So what does fear have to do with being out of balance? Well, fear has uh, has a lot to do with a lot of things that we don't even realize. Um, when you're fearful, when you're fearful doing something wrong, you don't make a move at all. When you're fearful of saying something wrong, you don't say it and you stuff down your emotions. I mean, fear mm-hmm. controls us in so many ways. And um, one of the one of my tips is that you know I, I believe that fear can't live in the dark. In other words, Ooh. if you bring that to light, if you get to what you're really fearing, it's not as big as you think it is. And um, it's like that monster under the bed, when, and when you pull up the covers, there's no monster. Um, mm. But you fear, you're so scared to even look because you know it's great big. Fear's, fear has controlled that. And it, fear tells you these stories of how bad things are be or how bad you are, you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not, you know, all these things. Mm-hmm. And it can absolutely control your life. Kimberly, I think that's so, so wise of you. And I have to tell you, my daughter had a picture in her apartment that I just dearly loved. And it's Red Riding Hood, and she's looking back at the wolf. And the quote on it was, Fear makes the wolf look larger. Yes. And I think I thought that was such a powerful metaphor that if you can't see it, we make it bigger and more um, scary than if mm-hmm. we could actually confront it. Um, I think I, I, when I lived in L.A., I, I chatted with a, a Hollywood producer who said one of the scariest things is never seeing the monster. Because mm. our minds will think of something even worse than we could possibly produce in Hollywood. And if you think about it, some of the scariest movies, you didn't see the monster till the end. Think about Alien when it first yeah. came out. We didn't see the monster till the end, and it, it was just petrifying. Um, so yes. that kind of thing. Uh, so I, I, I love this piece of fear can't live in the dark. We have mm-hmm. to bring it to life. Yeah, and, that, and, and you know, and, and that's where um, that's where a good coach can help you so much because if you're going to a friend or a, a family member or things like that, they've already bought into your story of fear. Mm-hmm. They they get it, and they're t- they're also tied to your outcome. 
in so many ways. So they either, you know, maybe they want to make you feel better, so they're not going to really tell you the truth, or they, they, that's part of their fear, too, so they don't want you to face it. I mean, there's so many things. But if you get a good coach, they're going to help you see things that you're not seeing. They can, you know, ask you questions, and, and you know, you go, oh, well, I never really thought of it like that. And then all of a sudden, you're facing that fear, you're acknowledging that fear, you're naming it, and then it just starts to shrink. Oh, that's that's a wonderful philosophy. And and that's what you do with your clients then I presume. I do. I, I do. I'm as you can tell, I'm I'm not one of these foo foo type coaches. I'm um, I attract very strong spiritual women that are ready to really make a change. So mm-hmm. I, we, you know, obviously have a connection and, and um, a respect, that kind of stuff. I don't just dive in and start asking these tough questions. Um, but I do ask tough questions, questions mm-hmm. that they aren't ready to ask themselves. They're never even thought to ask themselves. So, but if you don't ask these questions, you're just going to stay in the same type of situation. Now, now mm-hmm. you can acknowledge these fears and decide not to change. Then that's up to you. I mean, that's your choice. We all have a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but if you choose to do something different and and start going for the life that you really want, or you probably wouldn't be calling a coach, um, <laughs> then we we make those steps together. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So, but Kimberly, um, how do those fears start. I mean, you know, a, a brand new baby doesn't necessarily have those fears. Although I did read a, uh, an interesting article that Marianne Williams wrote, and she said, you know, I was in total love of the doctor, my mother, my father, all the people in the birthing room. She remembers being born. And she said, I was just this happy child. There were no fears, no nothing. Everything was joyous. And then the doctor slapped me. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it was like I split. And there was this, why does this man hate me? And, you know, I, is he going to hit me again? And so where does that fear come from? Why do we have it? You know, I, I think that we've had so many generations that are ruled by fear that they didn't really know any different. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's it's a cycle. And and whether, you know, I think that's amazing that she can can remember that. I, I can't. Um, but mm-hmm. I do have several recollections of my childhood of being fearful, of being, you know, in trouble. And, and I say that now laughingly because, you know, when my father spoke, the ground shook. You know, <laughs> um, it wasn't an abusive family in any way whatsoever. But still, I was scared to death. I was scared to disappoint him or misbehave or do something wrong. I so wanted his approval, but I was in fear. You know, you had to walk a straight line or, you know, do that kind of thing. And and you look back at it and you think, I I learned that from him because he learned it from his family, who learned it from their family. I mean, it just goes back so many generations. You know, like they say, they laugh and say, kids don't come with books. They don't come with instructions. And we're all different. Um, So Mm -hmm. what do they have to, what did they have to learn on other than their own experiences? So, I mean, I get it. I totally understand it. Um, At the same time, those are things that we have to give back to them and not, it's not my responsibility for the way that he was raised. So, you know, 
any of that. It's not for me to carry and hang on to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's also the interesting point of how do you break that cycle? And we'll come back to that in just a second. But I wanted to touch on you learn from your parents who learn from their parents and so on through the generations. Mm-hmm. And I had a, uh, a marriage and family therapist who said to me, you as a child take a, and I've said this before, you as a child have a video camera on your shoulder and you videotape everything your parents do. And then mm-hmm. when you get to that place in your life, all you do is you turn it on play and you do what mm-hmm. they did. Um, and there's not really, uh, I want to say, any intelligent thought around that. It's just, this was the experience I have, therefore it must be right and that's what I'm going to do. And yep. so I think the fears come from that as well. As you said, your father was a very powerful man and he never, he never, he wasn't abusive or anything else, but just that power in you being a, a small child, there's, there's that sense of inequality of role. And mm-hmm. so there's, a, there's that sense of wanting to um, please him and to do what he wants and that kind of thing. And we carry that forward. And I think, especially as women, we carry that burden even more heavily than the guys do. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's because we want to be daddy's little girl and the perfect wife and whatever it might, whatever roles we saw yeah. growing up. Um, and, and we don't, we don't give ourselves slack that we're not perfect and that we are our own woman. And how do I step into that and own it? I also loved your comment and I, I make it as well about you didn't get a manual when you birthed that first child that told right. you exactly how to raise that person to be the best that they possibly could. And yet we as women are are very fearful of stepping into a leadership role because we're afraid we're going to hurt people mm-hmm. or we're going to mess up their lives or whatever it might be. And yet we'll take on a baby for 21 years and more and not even really hesitate that you know, I'm going to raise this kid and I'm going to do it the best I possibly can. And yet I don't have a manual. I don't have any, any knowledge. And we won't do that with leadership. So do you have a thought as to why the difference? You know, I, I think that's a very interesting point. And I don't, I don't really know why that is. I, I, I think that, um, or I feel that, you know, with your child, they're going to love you. They're your children, you know, and um, you don't have to risk that. But when you're, in a leadership role, mm-hmm. you know, we want to be, just like you said, we want to be liked. We want to be, you know, so we don't want to make anybody mad. And mm-hmm. in leadership, you have to separate that so much that it doesn't matter if they're mad. It's not personal. Um, right. It, when you're raising a child, that's, you know, very, very personal. So I, as women, we have tr- a real hard time uh, separating that. Mm-hmm. I think that's true. And and the other thing that, that, Again, because we're so perfectionist-oriented, um, I think that the idea of if I can't be perfect in this role, and I don't, I may have the talent, but I don't necessarily know what the skills are yet. I don't want to take it. I don't want to take it on until I'm 100% sure that I can do it perfectly. Right. Yeah. And it, that's a whole different mindset than what the men have, which is more like, hey, if I know 20% of it. Um, I'm, I'll am i step in and learn the rest. Just let right. me at it. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. a whole different mindset. And it, it's one I think would 
do us a lot of good giving up and recognizing yeah. that we're fallible just like everyone else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. So did you walk in the Women's March in January? Sorry. No, I didn't get the opportunity to do that. Yeah. Um, are there um, colleagues and friends that you know who did? And yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of sort of looking at what, what's your impression of the outcome and where we're going with it from here? Well, um, I, I do fortunately have some really good friends that, that did do the march, and um, it was so very powerful while it was going on, and, the, you know, there was a lot of media coverage and, you know, things like that, um, so I felt that that was good while it was going. I also mm-hmm. feel that um, there is a tendency in, in that is very slight, but, you know, where the feminine is really coming into their own and taking the lead, mm-hmm. um, whether that is um, just at home or not just at home, but at home and at business and you know and and things like that. I think there's a I think there's a big swing coming. I think mm-hmm. you that you see smaller parts here and there, but as a whole, there's a big shift. Yeah. And one of the things that I heard at the California Women's Conference was that what the political pundits are seeing are more women calling, asking, how do I get elected? What do I have to do? Are there any classes that would help me with that? And that's, I think that's a real powerful movement, even though we've become very quiet. And um, I had a colleague say to me, but that's because the, the dynamic is different. When we marched for women's rights and civil rights and and equal pay and all of that. It was very appropriate to go out and march and and um, protest and all of that. And the world has there's been a subtle change where there's more yeah. stuff being done sort of behind the scenes and that kind of thing. And that's where what we're seeing right now. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to ask you one more question about politics and then we'll, we'll move on. Um, so someone said to me, if we were to have a woman president at this point, that she would need to come out of the Republican Party. Would you agree with that? No, because I, um, I think that through this last election, the party lines were so um, grayed. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I don't think that at this day in now maybe two years ago it would have had to say that or you know whatever but mm-hmm. I, I don't think that now I think that the party lines are are just not as black and white as they were before that um, it's going to be more on their ideals and values ah so looking at the women who are stepping into leadership and into pol- political parties. Then your advice to them would be to run on their values, run on their ethics, run on their integrity, um, as well as what they stand for, and to stand firm and bold and unapologetic in all of that. Yeah, I mean, shouldn't isn't that the way it should be anyway? <laughs> That's a great should. Yes, um, unfortunately, I think politics has has sort of slipped off that mark just a tad. Yeah. Yeah, slightly. <laughs> okay, just a dead. So perhaps somebody needs to write a, a manifesto as to how women can, ten, can take those feminine qualities and really turn them into a powerful statement for the next president 
of the United States. So with that in mind, think about who you might want to see in that presidential office in the next four or eight years. And we'll be right back. This is the Voice America Women's Channel, where your success is limitless. Linda Patton draws from her four decades of leadership experience and her heartfelt passion to show women how to lead, dream, and create what inspires them. Her signature training programs and workshops will guide you through the key skills you need to own your leadership power, build your resources, plan your path, and take the actions that will translate your vision into reality. Start by scheduling a free, no-obligation, 30-minute strategy session with Linda Patton. Contact her at Linda at daretodreamwithlinda.com. That's Linda at dare, the number two, dreamwithlinda.com. Are you ready to stand up in your power and stop being a victim? It's time to make a change. Tune in to Defining Moments with host Debbie Montgomery Johnson. So many of us are hiding behind our true self. We have secrets that keep us hidden from the world and what we could be. When you realize that every learning experience helps us grow, you can be the victor of your own life and success. Defining Moments can be heard live every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. Let leadership expert Linda Patton be your guide to uncovering the leader that lives within you and that you are meant to be. Through her signature training programs and workshops, Linda takes you every step of the way to help you tap into your personal leadership power, design a clear vision, build a loyal, effective team, and create a practical plan to make your dream come true. Get started now by scheduling a free, no-obligation, 30-minute strategy session with Linda Patton. Contact her at Linda at daretodreamwithlinda.com. That's Linda at dare, the number two, dreamwithlinda.com. Voice America Women. Your passion starts here. You are listening to Leadership Stars with Linda Patton. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. You may also send an email to Linda at dare to dream with linda.com now back to leadership stars so at the end of the last segment i asked you to think about you know who would be or what would be your ideal um, individual for the presidential office in four or eight years and so hopefully you had a chance to think about that but we're going to get to more things that we can do um, perhaps out of the political arena and kimberly one of the things that, that I find interesting is it seems to me that, one, to get into balance, and then, two, to stay in balance can be really an overwhelming task. Like, you're spending your whole day and, and every moment of your life trying to m- maintain that balance. So, what would you consider to be the first thing someone could do to start getting into balance? You know, I, I think that it is all very simple. I think that as um, as women, we want to make things too too difficult um, because if they're <laughs> easy, then they don't. There's no merit to them. So, right. um, 
I had somebody tell, you know, because I was, I, I, I get caught up in that too. I'm like, I, I can't sit and meditate for an hour. I can't, I just am not able to do that. Um, mm-hmm. And and we're talking about the rituals and, you know, that they do daily to, to meditate and do these kind of things. I'm like, I'm I'm not that kind of person. And, and, I, and I was hard on myself for not being like, well, I must not be spiritual enough. I must not be doing this thing. You know, I get all that shame, blame, guilt game thing that mm-hmm. I'm a master at. Um, it, but then I realized, you know what, I, I do meditate in that I go, I, I'm blessed to have horses. So I go out to the barn every morning. Mm. I start my day in the barn. And whether that's just brushing the horses or standing there talking to them or, you know, whatever that may be, that's me getting centered. So just because um, it's not um, the meditating for an hour a day, first thing in the morning, doing that thing, doesn't mean I'm doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. I just again got caught up in the it's this is just too simple. I love doing this, but but it is. That is my step in doing that. So the first thing I would say is don't make it a great big life changing, altering thing that you think you have to do or you're not good enough. Start simple. Start with um doing um breath exercises in the morning, whether that's driving to work or whatever it is. You know, and what you know and, and when I do that I, I I breathe in and count to seven, and I hold it to seven, and I release it and count to seven, and then I hold it to seven. I mean, just stuff like that. It's simple. Just be simple. And, again, like we said earlier, just knowing that you're feeling out of balance is the first step. Right. And and I, I love this concept of you going out and brushing your horses in the morning. And I know that, that can, it can be it's, – it's very – calming, it's very um, repetitive, and yet there's this connection between you and the horse when you're doing that. I used to have horses. Um, mm-hmm. when, when you're doing that, there's just this, this grace about it all. Um, now I, I do it with my dog when my husband will let me. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And it, it's that same kind of thing because he's, he's got... Um, hair. He doesn't have fur. He's a soft-coated Wheaton Terrier. And so he mats. So if you don't brush him every day, it's like you didn't brush your hair for a week. You know, right. it's, it's matted and ugly and disgusting. And so we do. We brush him every day. And there is a grace in that. There's a meditation in essence. And I've never, tr- I've never tried the breathing and doing it. You know, where you breathe in, like you said, for seven, out for seven, hold, breathe in for seven, out for seven, hold. Um, But that would be an interesting thing to add to it. Or other things that are like that, Um, you know, our moms, the hundred strokes that you did every night with your hair Mm -hmm. was sort of that same meditative, um, you know, repetitive uh, process that we did, and it got you out of all the stress and everything else that you had been involved in during the day. Yeah? Exactly. See, you know, we get so in our heads and mm-hmm. in our minds and, and the breathing or the brushing of the animals or, you know, just t- tending a plant or, or whatever that may be is getting out of your head. And, mm-hmm. you, you know, I, I was told one time by my coach, and a very, very intelligent woman, she said, you know, your mind is for gathering facts your heart is for making decisions. So it's, in our mind doesn't like that so much, so it's trying to manipulate and go, okay, but you got to do this and you got to do that. And if you can <laughs> just break that cycle for, you know, two minutes, 
Mm-hmm. It, you know, at the beginning, just start with two minutes and, and go with that. Just do something. Yeah, I think people get wrapped up in the fact that, you know, with meditation, you know, if a thought comes through yeah. your mind that you're doing it wrong, and that's not necessarily true. Um, it's. I, I think I had a meditation coach who once said that 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 thought's going to come streaming through. The question is, do you hold it? And continue to think about it and worry about it and whatever. Or do you simply say, that's nice, and let it go? Right. And, and I think that's a really powerful piece, too. Because, again, I think we feel, oh, I'm doing it wrong. So I guess I'll give it mm-hmm. up and not do it anymore. Right. Right. Or make it so big that it's impossible to do every single day. I mean, I don't know how many people can actually carve out an hour to do one specific thing. And and not count the hour to get, you know the time that gets there and the time to get back and you know all that other stuff and sometimes that's just so daunting and it's it's you know it's a good effort but really it doesn't last if you if if you were to talk to the people that exercise or do the meditating mm-hmm. and things like that they started small. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't imagine and I don't. I walk with the dog. That's the sum and substance of my exercise. And part mm-hmm. of it also has to do with my body and the challenges that I have with it. Um, but, you know, the thought of going to the gym for an hour um, just blows my mind. It's like, why yeah. would I want to do that? Um, and, you know, so and I think we get ourselves wrapped up into, as you said, we've got to do it for an hour or more. Yeah. And it's baby steps. You know, do it for three minutes, do it for five, and build up to that hour. Your body will be much happier about it. Yeah. Yeah. And then if you don't feel that's enough, do it two or three times a day for five minutes or ten minutes Mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever. Exactly, yeah. So, Kimberly, how do you fit a spiritual practice into everything else that you do in your life? Very good question. Um, it, It is a priority for me. It, it truly is, and in, in that, when I'm living my spiritual life and, and when I'm aligned and in balance, I'm much happier. I'm, I make better decisions. I feel better. I'm, I, I'm on my path. I'm on my purpose, and, and that's what it's all about. It's, it's, that, it's that acknowledging that, that deep knowing that there's something more and going for it, and, um, and again, it's, it's, it's a priority, but it started with baby steps. Mm-hmm. And so how would you recommend somebody who doesn't necessarily have one right now, how would they begin building a spiritual practice? I think that um, they probably are doing things that they don't realize. Um, so mm-hmm. it, first of all, giving themselves credit for where they are, for uh, what they have done to get them to where they are at this point. Um, I, I, I start simple when I work with my, my clients. Like I said, get to know yourself. Get to right. know your favorite colors or your favorite food, not because it's um, a friend's favorite food and you know or whatever, but then ask yourself deeper questions like, well, why does purple, is that my favorite color? Well, purple makes me feel safe because that was my grandmother's bedroom color and I always felt safe uh-huh. there. Okay, so perfect. So you get, it, that is me. It's not somebody else's favorite color that I've taken on. Mm-hmm. Get to know yourself and start living for yourself. And when you live for yourself, you're more able to serve others, whether that's your children, your mates, your bosses, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. And then something else that, that comes up often, and it wraps around a number of different things, but um, journaling. So some people use journaling as an outlet for a lot of stuff, like they have a gratitude journal, they have a daily journal, they have a spiritual journal, they you know, may have 15 different journals that they're writing in on a daily basis. So one, what do you recommend for people who look at that and go, I could never write in that many journals, and besides which, I don't know that I could write in one journal. What else, what other practices might be possible that they could use um, to sort of help keep them in line and to keep moving forward in the balance in their life? You know, I think that's a great question because I think that is a good basis for several things. And to me, mm-hmm. that was daunting. I, You know, I, I look at this big empty notebook and go, what the crap am I supposed to write? <laughs> And so I'm like, I can't, and so I didn't. But what I found is I'll get these calendars, like, at a glance that Mm -hmm. have, um, you know, I'm talking about those calendars for the year, and then they have, like, three or four lines or, you know, a square or something in the month that you can write in. That's Mm -hmm. what I did. I started, Ah. and there's, I'm like, okay, so for this day, I only have four lines to write. I can do that. Um, and it, and it, and it's really, you won't notice it the first couple of days, but you know, then you flip back the month before and you go, Oh crap, look at this thing. I was so worried about it. And look how it really did work out. Or, mm-hmm. Oh, this was something I was so excited about, but I'm glad it didn't go that way. I mean, you can really track your progress that way, but again, here I go, but start simple. That, that at a glance, I can't tell you how many of those things I filled up. Uh-huh. And just starting, and like, you know, three or, four, three or four sentences or this is what happened at the office today or, you know, the dog's got an ear infection or, you know, just start. Yes. And just Don't write things. a book your first day. Oh, darn. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but, if you want to, right. go ahead. But <laughs> I was to say, write your first ebook in the first day. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. <laughs> and, it's, and it's daunting. I have colleagues who... Um, I went on a retreat with, and I swear, and and it's no effort for her, but she was writing constantly. You know, we'd come away to a break, and she'd write, and she'd write in the morning, and she'd write at night, and if we, you know, walked out to the beach, she was writing, and I'm going, wow. Uh, it's like, I don't know that I have that much to say. You know, I okay, I have written a book, and I'm, you know, part of four compilations, and I'm writing another book, um, but on a day-to-day basis, to write what I would think would be sort of an hour by hour or minute by minute um, look at what you're doing all day. Um, I think I would find that terribly daunting. Oh yeah. And who has time? Yeah, exactly. Um, although I do appreciate the folks who now use like dragon and they dictate mm-hmm. their journals. Yes. <laughs> yes. I agree with that. And you know, and I have done that too, not with dragon because that's my next thing I want. But I have taken, like when I'm on a walk or something like that, I'll take my phone and just record what my thoughts are and, and yeah. instead of taking out a book and all that kind of stuff because obviously I can talk very easily. And and so that that's what I do. I, I work with what I have and what I love. Yeah, I think that's amazing. And I also love the people who can. I don't draw. That is, you know, I do a lot of other things. I do needle crafts um, and that kind of thing, but I don't draw, uh, you know, art that way. And I, I envy. I mean, I, I look at these women who I was on a, a river cruise who were sitting there drawing, you know, what, what the shoreline looked like. And when we went on a, oh. on a tour, 
And then she'd just sort of sketch it out while she was there. And then while we were traveling down the river, she'd color it in with watercolors. And they were absolutely amazing. But I thought that that's her genius. And it's Mm -hmm. not something that, that, you know, I have to do things a different way. Um, But I just thought that that was absolutely amazing. So, Kimberly, I... Yeah, oh, they were beautiful, beautiful pieces. I wanted to buy them. I said, can I buy your book? And she goes, no, no, this is my, this is my book. Um, but, you know, it's for her recollection and that kind of thing. And she wasn't, you know, it was, it was for her pleasure. And I thought, it, it's gorgeous. And, you know, you could probably actually publish this and people would buy it. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, it was phenomenal. And I just, I, I also almost got in a meditative state watching her as she colored in and and how she did that and how she worked with the watercolors and all that it was just amazing so Kimberly I know that you have a special free gift for our listening audience would you mind telling them about it um, actually it's um, a free ebook um, and it's from fear to fabulous and it just kind of helps you walk through the stages of how to um, acknowledge your fears and to work through them and so that they're not controlling your life, that you get to live the life you want um, and not what the fear wants you to live. Okay. And you can find that on my website. And I'll tell you a little bit about how to get to that in just a moment. And Kimberly, I think that's just absolutely fabulous. So is there one, oh, let's say last two tips that you'd like to give our listening audience before we call an end to this wonderful discussion? I, I still think that um, one of the, the best tips I ever got was to give myself credit for where I am and to quit beating myself up. And the mm. other one would be to start small. It just, just start. You know, you don't have to go out and run a marathon the first day. And, you, you know, you don't have to, like we said, go to yoga for two hours a day. Just do something. Start your your rituals, if you will, just something that you do every single day. And and that's when you start noticing when you're actually out of balance. Start noticing yourself, what feels good, what doesn't feel good, instead of just pushing on. Okay. I love that. I think that's those are just really key tips for anyone who's out of balance. And I, I like to say that balance is like a beach ball and that each of those sections are just a wedge in that beach ball. And actually, I had a coach who, who said that to me, Ann Evanston. And, you know, when you're out of balance, you know how you can you see a dimple on one side or whatever. And so noticing where your life is out of balance and then giving yourself credit for all the things that you have done well and the things that you're working on and even the areas where you think that you're less than and you're working on being more than. Uh, Give yourself credit around that. And real key, and I'm going to hang on to this one, is start small. Um, We don't have to run the marathon the first time we get out in running shoes. Um, The whole idea is, you know, can you you walk around the block? Then you can add in running. And you, you slowly build up to the point where you can run a marathon or walk in an Avon walk. And I think you're right. It does start with the baby steps. So I want to thank you, Kimberly Tobin, for being on our show today. It has been wonderfully enlightening, and I was so, I'm was i so delighted to have you here. Oh, thank you so, so very much. I, I so enjoyed our conversations, and I, I so appreciate your invitation. 
Oh, you're so welcome. And audience, if you have questions or you want to see how to dig deeper into the art of hurting cats, check out my website. And also, if you'd like Kim's free gift at www.dare2dreamwithlinda.com or send me an email at linda at that same address. So until next time, be courageous, dare to lead. Thank you for tuning in to Leadership Stars. Please join Linda Patton for another engaging edition of our program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. We'll feature another noted leader next week.